Today, we're gonna talk about Dungeons and Dragons, brother. I got fired on Mars, and the writer's strike. And now your host, the diabolical Lecanteglio. Oh, yeah! Welcome to K&M Geekly. Oh, that's gonna hurt. That's pretty good. <laughs> wasn't bad, but how did he keep it up? <laughs> Just a sneak peek, brother, at two geeks talking about some of the things body talking. slamming them with the big elbow off the top rope this week. Has nothing to do with wrestling, as it turns out. No, uh, we're not talking about wrestling I'm at all. Mike Indeglio, that's Keith Varney. It's been a day. Keith, there's choking hazards everywhere. Yeah, there is. Uh, we uh, finished up some reviews this morning, and now we're just going to chit and chat. Welcome to your Monday. Hope things are going okay. Hope you're not striking uh, as we are. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to continue that line of joking because it's a serious matter, and it's 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 affecting a lot of. Or we hope you are striking. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I can guarantee you. I have not written a darn thing down for this episode, Keith. We are pulling out of our butts. There's a there's a uh, uh, shock, but you know who is striking? Uh, a little little cameo from. Uh, hold on, I gotta get out of the way. Charlie, anyway. it's Charlie on strike. Why am I? Oh, because I'm backwards. Oh, there he is. Oh yeah, he's no. He's he's uh, he's he's on strike. He does not want to participate in our shenanigans today. Hold on, let me zoom in so you can see him. He's right there, and uh, it didn't work. But anyway, he's cute. He's why would there. It, why would anything camera related work today, Keith? That's just not what we're doing. It's just not going to happen. Not going to hey, happen. Uh, another so, shout out. We did it on one of our other shows. We did it on Geekly uh, for you know that cross promo. Well, thanks to JD makes. Yes. Grab him by the bazorpsorps. Uh. So yeah, and I hope everybody had a great Mother's Day. Great <laughs> 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 transition. This is the second time I've done that. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> What is it about? Grab by the bazorpsorps. That Pavlovian yeah. response is to talk about your mom. Not my mom. Well, you know, it's, it's not somebody else's Mother's Day. You're right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore, Keith. My brain, it can't do it. Uh, we're Listen, already punchy. I know, and we got a whole week to get through. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, Keith, I, I, I made, made reference to it last week. I have been uh, a little down in the dumps, not for any specific reason, just genetically, and so it's been tough to motivate and get some stuff done. And and uh, so, But that all said, I've been spending a lot of time on the couch and watching television, and so well, there's some stuff I want to talk about this week, some things I had been looking forward to, some things I had no interest in at all. I was going to go check out Guardians of the Galaxy to talk about on this show, Volume 3, but CEO Jen ended up having to go back uh, because she got some new duties. She's now Dance Captain CEO Jen, for her, uh, whoa, yeah, her Secret Garden, which opens next Saturday, I'll be going up for opening night. So we, didn't, I, I put my Fandango tickets on hold. I'm going to still see it, but instead, we stayed at home, Keith, and we watched the newest, one of the new movies that came out. I think it might be on VOD now. We saw it uh, on uh, VOD, so you, I know you can get it without having to go to the theaters. This is the. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons IP, Honor Among Thieves. B the, about time Dungeons and Dragons made it to the big screen. Am I right? 
Uh, although uh, yes, I believe it did previously, but it wasn't any good. Is that am I right about that? Yeah, I think there was, but this is kind of their relaunch of the IP. Now, of course, Dungeons and Dragons has spawned in a whole genre of books and films and TVs, and we've gotten great movies in that in that genre. But this is kind of the relaunch of this IP. I think they're hoping with whenever you see like kind of a, a tag title, you could tell they're trying to start a franchise. Now, Keith, I would I have a very loose affiliation and connection with Dungeons and Dragons, the tabletop the role-playing game. Yep. Right. I, I, you know, I've, I've rolled a few characters. I've played a few times. I, I love it as, I love listening to it. I listen to a bunch of, you know, a few podcasts. I know that you are, yep. These are my dice. So uh, I was watching this specifically with you in mind because uh-huh. I thought- Because I look so much like Chris Pine? Yeah, right. I thought it was going, now, I've obviously- I've, much more experienced with role-playing genres as a video game and and that universe I've spent a lot of time in. And so I was curious how this would pan out. I really had incredibly, incredibly low expectations because it was either going to kind of disgrace the, the IP, the genre, or be a cash grab or be a kid's movie or the worst of all sins, make fun of itself you know what i mean be kind of mm-hmm. like spoofy or self-referential in a and in, in a derogatory uh, or, in a or condescending way one of the people who play dungeons Correct. and dragons yeah so anyway that those are my expectations they were low and here's what i'm here to report keith you ready for it yeah i'm ready i think it's great which blew my mind first of all you got chris pine and the man is a a, a charismatic awesome magnet I, there's just no way to not like chris pine uh he's joined here with by michelle rodriguez uh reggie jean page justice smith sophia lillis and hugh grant who is having a comedic renaissance right now and who's just chewing the scenery in this movie now i i i, I, I it's a high recommend let me start there here are the things that it, it does right uh, and a couple of my quibbles real quick number one all those worries i had none of them are warranted the best thing that this movie does is take itself seriously. It it creates a pretty compelling campaign. There are adequate really? tis, twists and turns. Now, remember, it's it's like a PG thirteen film, right? So its its audience is not. But it's a comedy, right? It is a comedy. Yes. Okay. Uh, but it still has really high stakes. They're pretty standard fare for this genre. Chris Pine's daughter is in some sort of a way, and he's got to do some MacGuffin to rescue her. He Apparently looks like he's got to do some barding. He does do some barding, and, and kind of like what seems to be a nod a little bit towards that character in The Witcher, but uh, that's, that's aside. Uh, and he is perfect. He is playing sort of a Deadpool kind of character. He's a thief. So he's got that quippy kind of quick nature, which reminds me of the character you roll all the time, and uh, or you 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 talk about one of your characters is like a thief who is uh, sort of yeah Skankra yeah, yeah uses song to uh, all kinds of spoof songs. He gives me that kind of a vibe. But you know how that that thief character we're talking about can often become annoying or be the one that's poking too much fun. I thought mm-hmm. like Deadpool does like poke through the fourth wall and make fun. Does not do that. He is. Uh, because of machinations of the plot, he's also got other character skills, other character traits that he has to rely on. He's a good leader, yada, yada, yada. And his stakes are so well-formed, and his bond with the other characters in his party is so 
forged and uh, on, you know, solid ground that the repartee between characters, their sort of evolution as a team, it's all good stuff. There's, like I said, enough twists and turns in the adventure that it's not completely point by point. You can't completely anticipate the entire plot from the beginning. Maybe the hair long, but regardless, it takes some big swings as far as uh, ideas and problem solving ideas that I think there's like two or three sequences that are really clever, I think, that kind of imitate the idea of an organic solution by a party that you that is not normal, you know, kind of an outside the box thinking, which I think is one of the fun things we love about getting together and doing it in real time. So it captures that. The CGI takes some huge swings. It does not always succeed, uh, but you get points for trying, right? Because because some of it does work and some of it does succeed. It's got a good villain. It's got a clever, some clever twists, and the the cast is uniformly excellent. Uniformly excellent across the board. Nobody stood out, and they all have their sort of. They're all playing the some general archetypes of of this type of milieu. But bring some their their performances all bring a heart and a pathos to each of the characters, which at the end of the two hours, I was just flabbergasted as to how much fun I had. And at the end of the day, isn't fun kind of the whole thing? Well, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I can't speak for the movie because I haven't seen it yet, but I can speak for Dunge- Dungeons and Dragons as somebody who who plays regularly. Uh, and you can you can check me out on uh, Broadway Hit Points. We mm-hmm. uh, stream on Twitch live every Monday night, and it shows up on YouTube later. Um, but I, I think everyone has an expectation about what Dungeons and Dragons is. The, you know, the actual game game where you're rolling um, until they play it, and you either think it's going to be like it's going to be boring and weird and just sort of, or it's going to be angry and nerdy or whatever uh, until you play it. Mm-hmm. And then it's a completely different thing. And it really, I think if it's done correctly, it's its an opportunity just to make your friends crack up, mm-hmm. right? And you problem solve in, in clever or ridiculous fashions, but it's its comedy, not drama. Yep. And, um, but can be super, super fun. So yeah, this uh, movie I, never is silly, but it is funny. There's some, some definite LOLs. Uh, it's just... It really surprised me. It just really surprised me, and I, I'm excited to hear what you... Th- I think you should watch it. I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, well, once it comes out on streaming something or other, I will. I think it will be very shortly, as it's doing its now theatrical VOD run, and then it'll, I'm sure someone will oh, say... No, we're not, we're not friends with streaming right now. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, so, Keith, speaking of you... Yes? I watched another show that I... Uh, I mean, what order did I put these in? I don't know. Let's just find out. I know, right? Isn't that uh, kind of the big... Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to close with that. you got to so roll the dice. Yeah, Mike. the next thing I watched, I was so... So that's so Dungeons & Dragons was a was a surprise that I was not expecting, and uh, awesome. Now, on the flip side, there was another show that I was looking forward to it, uh, and that is... Let me pop this out here. I had mentioned my anticipation for this documentary a few weeks back. This is an Apple TV original documentary uh, with uh, input from Michael J. Fox. Uh, it started yesterday for, on the 12th, so last week. Uh, it's a documentary chronicling sort of Michael J. Fox's rise to stardom and also his, his diagnosis with Parkinson's disease and him dealing with it. 
I don't think there's a human being who doesn't appreciate Michael J. Fox, doesn't, you know, for either his charitable work or just as a performer. He's endlessly watchable, uniquely compelling, and just a wonderful actor. So I had watched, you know, a couple of sit-down one-on-ones in promotion of this film, uh, interviewing Michael about his disease and about his work and about this film. And I'm here to tell you, those interviews pretty much captured everything this movie does. Uh, it It is, there's one segment, there's one beat in the documentary where the, the filmmaker, whose name I do not have pulled up, so if you want to Google that, um, I apologize. Um, it's a splashed all over Apple TV. You can't miss, you can't blink three times without this being put in your feed. So if, if you're interested, you know, it's there for you. But I, he says to him, he goes, you know this, we've been talking for X amount of time and we have not talked about how much pain you're in. And Michael J. Fox basically says, well, that's that's the boring part of the story. You know, let's talk about the other stuff. And that kind of feels like the whole thing. Of the, mm. of the two hour runtime, maybe 10 minutes really gets inside of the struggle which is what I thought this movie was going to open the door on a little bit. I thought we were going to really get into that. But instead, it, it's really focused on spending a good portion of the movie like following the, his rise to stardom, which I guess is is interesting as he sort of reads often from his biography uh, that I don't mm. know if it's been released, or, but it's clear he's clearly reading the audiobook version. Davis Guggenheim yeah. is the director. Um, so there are moments, there are flashes of moments where they get inside his his heart and his head and they and they, we learn a little bit about his family life and about his personal struggle and his physical struggle. But those moments are dwarfed by just the other stuff, the, the showbiz stuff, which I found myself less interested in. And the thing, and what I think would have helped that a little bit is that instead, you know, what I love in documentaries is when we just, focus on the subject and let them talk. And we can watch them talk and tell their story. And especially someone as charismatic as Michael. And yes, sometimes it's uncomfortable to watch him because his his face goes through either when he's either moments of being like kind of frozen or moments of being really art- articulated and it can be disconcerting. And I think it, it's definitely uncomfortable for him and disconcerting for him. And I think maybe by his due to his suggestion or maybe the filmmakers chose, I don't know, they chose to not focus on him a lot. And so what they do, Keith, is as he's telling his story in Hollywood, how we rose to fame and dealt with a lot of that fame, they ha- Michael J. Fox has done enough stuff that they can use B-roll. They have done some recreation of him. They found, you know, but most of it is just B-roll from random commercials and movies he's been in that they have stitched together to sort of show his journey, right? Interesting. Like, interv- yes. In my opinion, it is not effective. It is kind of... It's kind of displacing in a way. It takes it takes away the immersion, and I'm just like, let me hear, let me watch him tell this story, right? Or if he's talking about a certain audition, let me see a B-roll from that movie. The way they kind of Frankenstein it together almost seems designed to have us not. It, it keeps us at surface level. I guess that's at the at the end of the day in a movie that I expected to be really enlightening and a. a behind the scenes peak, it feels very much kept at arm's length. Now, I still enjoyed my time. I still finished it. I love Michael J. Fox. I think you do learn some tidbits, and I think that if money from this is being used to benefit his foundation, which I assume it must be, then it's worth a watch anyway, but that's that's an assumption. I do not know that. Uh, but it's, 
it left me wanting. Uh, so that that's one where I was a little disappointed. If Dungeons and the Dragons was the pleasant surprise, this was the uh, kind of the sad realization that it's not what I wanted it to be. Okay. Okay. There you go. So lastly, Keith, I wanted to talk about something I watched that also reminded me of you. Not that Michael J. Fox did. I'm saying Dungeons and Dragons did. Skip Michael J. Fox this last show. I, I mean, I, I would love to be Michael J. Fox. You know, Keith, we often talk about uh, how there's just so much content. There's so much to watch right now, right? Uh, and so, so much good stuff slips through the cracks. Sometimes I just flick around and click on something random. And that happened this week. I, I remember a time in my life when I was really into animated comedies. Uh, uh, Cartoon Central, Cartoon Network, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, anything weird, Archer, Bojack Horseman, anything weird, bizarre, and a little dark and nihilistic, I was super into. And I stumbled upon a show uh, called Fired on Mars. And all I knew about it uh, was from I was on HBO Max and I was flicking around and it just popped uh, it popped on, and all I knew about it was that Luke Wilson does the voice of the protagonist here. Let me give you the elevator pitch of the show. Uh, there is a mega corporation. We're familiar with that. They Wayland Utani. They they've started a wait. When I I can't wait to see your reaction to some of the things that parallel just Keith Varney. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a mega corporation that starts a colony on Mars, okay? And they're sending up all these people. Now, and there are jobs to be had up there, Keith. There is one thing, though. If you go take one of these jobs up to Mars, it's a one-way ticket. Uh, you you go up to every, and the corporation provides everything for you, your food, your housing, your this, your that. So our boy here uh, goes up and is a graphic designer. He is just a graphic oh, cool. designer, graphic well, designer. Go. And Keith, within 11 seconds of the first episode, he is canned, Okay. <laughs> and that is the elevator pitch. Now, so what's a person up there fired on Mars going to do? How's his life going to pan out? That's the basic elevator pitch. To explain any of the other plot would be an exercise in futility because this show is insane. Uh, no, it is crazy the places it goes. None of them are, it is not, it is non, not non-sequitorial, like, like, uh, Family Guy, right? That's not that kind of humor. It is plot-based, and there is a plot. And what's cool, Keith, is that it is a very sci-fi plot. So it's very sci-fi, but it's really dark comedy. And sometimes he does a lot of... His superpower is graphic design. So a lot of times to solve a problem, you'll see him like, and they'll do really funny like montages of him clicking and choosing fonts and all kinds of That's crazy funny. stuff, which is very Keith. Uh, the sci-fi ideas are really interesting. There's a whole subplot of these... I mean, not be spoilery, of this team that's plotting an escape from the colony to perhaps start their own colony to get away from the mega corporation. And there uh, and crazy things happen. There's 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 all kinds of great side characters as you want from comedy. The animation style is really cool. The use of satire is really smart and really cutting. Luke Wilson is giving a, an amazing performance as your average everyday guy in the situation. There's a great subplot running with his girlfriend back on Earth, and every time he like beams her back in, there's like some random hot dude in the back. Like, uh -huh, it's course. just, it's really so many of the beats of his kind of situation just 
<laughs> reminded me of you in a lot of ways. Uh, just like sort of sad, unsuccessful. And I find myself at like pathetic. four o'clock in the morning last night, like, oh my God, I watched eight of these. Just just the good thing that comedy does and uh, of of cartoon uh, animation does of just not being limited in what they can say or do. And uh, just really great. And it's streaming so you can binge and they're 24 minute episodes. Really loving this show. It's Fire on Mars. It's a HBO Max original, although it's just Max now. HBO's, they're doing away with the HBO in their title because reasons. Uh, sure. So yeah, that's that's that. I really wanted to mention that. Absolute high recommend. So uh, that's what I've been watching. And now I'm going to take out our background entirely, Keith. Yeah. Because uh, this is our solidarity. No background. That's how we're doing it, Keith. Oh, well, that'll teach them. So the WGA is on strike, Keith. I, I know you want to yep. talk about it, so I'll let you uh, spearhead this conversation. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's not a huge amount to talk about, but I think just to give people some context about what is happening. And I am I am an authority on this in no way, shape, or form because I'm a I'm a theater writer, not a uh, not a WGA writer. That's TV, film, streaming, all of that sort of a world. Um, but basically, what this fight is about is about residuals from streaming shows. And this well, actually AI, applies, a little bit about AI as well. AI as well. Um, so, uh, but basically, the streaming platform and how it is financially built and set up—that um, the traditional paths, film and broadcast TV, um, the agreements that they have there, you know, involve paying people residuals. And, and what that means is that you get paid up front. For, for filming it and, and sort of an, an amount to begin with. But then, because that IP, that, that episode or that movie or whatever, is continued to be monetized, right? So it gets broadcast on reruns. So you're, you know, the Law & Order episode you did, and well, now it's on TBS. And every time it airs, um, you get paid again because your work is being exploited once again to make more money. So naturally, everybody who worked on it gets paid as a result of that, you know, a portion of a piece of it. Um, and that's the way it's been forever until enter the streaming world. And so they're not on broadcast TV. They're like, oh, we're just on the Internet or whatever. So they basically cut out residuals from the process. So um, if you do a Netflix show as an actor or as a writer – you get paid sort of up front and it's not a lot of money. And then that's pretty much it. Right. And, but they're still making money on it. They're making money on their platform. They're going to sell it to some other platform and it's going to be there and it's going to be all over the place. And those residuals are a tiny, tiny fraction of what they have always been. And so the writers are like, what the hell? <laughs> we want residuals from our work. You're still making money off of our work. So we should continue to be paid for it. And it's really quite straightforward. Now, of course, all the streaming platforms are like, well, you know, we don't have any money. Which is entirely garbage because they're, say, they're saying to the writers and the actors and whatever, we don't have any, more, any money. And then in their public meetings with their shareholders saying, we've never made more money. Mm -hmm. We've never been in a better position. Um, and so the writers are like, we're not going to write anymore <laughs> until we get um a fair portion of the of the of the pie in stuff that moves forward. So it's it's not 
you know, it, it's sort of like a work for hire thing, right? You don't own the copyright for it, but you should at least get a percentage. And in theater, it kind of works that way too, right? So if I write, if I write my Broadway show, you get, um, you know, probably you'll get some amount of an advance, you know, if you're working at a, you know, if you're being hired for it, you'll get some amount of money while you're writing it, but very, very little, sometimes no money whatsoever until the show is running in its commercial production. Then you get a percentage of the gross of that. Um, and if it's successful, it's a good amount of money. If it's not, it's nothing. And you spend three three years doing nothing. But the, the equivalency here would be now that the show has closed on Broadway, right? You are now licensing that show out to other theaters all over the place. And the writers of the show continue to make residuals off of the licensing fees that these other theaters pay. And of course they did, because they're using your work to create all of these other things. And so I think the equivalent here would be like, okay, we paid you for the Broadway run, and now it's, there's going to be 300 productions of it all over the country, but like you don't get any of that. And it's it's completely ridiculous and unfair and exploitative um, and uh, needs to be resolved. And I think... Um, my understanding of this is that Netflix is the is the one holding the hardest line, um, but it's it's going to have wide ranging implications um, as we as we move forward because right now nothing can be produced mm-hmm. that's written. So all of your favorite shows, all of your favorite what movies or whatever, they're they're ground to a halt. So even once this is resolved, then they start writing again. So there's going to be a lot of delays in series and movies. And well, I mean, some of the big the the big ones you'll you'll notice all of your late night shows are off right now. Uh, additionally, I know that Stranger Things, which is a huge moneymaker for Netflix, is yep. has ceased production. The Tony Awards, which affects our industry, which has been definitely kind of affects our industry. Uh, although I think there's been some hyperbole on that side. Like I think the Tony Awards as a commercial has not been. The the just the I was reading an article today. The numbers really haven't proved that out at all. It's mostly the marketing and the Today Show appearances and the things around the Tonys that actually brings more money in. We could have a conversation about that. Yes, I mean I think the Tony industry. You know, it's not just the. And I was having this discussion yesterday um, with some producers that I, I I think the Tony live broadcast of it all. I think you're right. Is decreasing in its importance in terms of. Like that night is going to make the ticket sales. Yeah, the numbers but, just don't go around that. But that said, however, all the YouTube clips of the performances mm-hmm. on the show that get shared around and the stamp of approval of this yeah. one eight Tonys mm-hmm. it's in- essential for the business. And I know right now there are five or six shows hanging on by a thread to get to the Tonys and hoping that that's going to give them a bump that are going to be in. It's going to be pretty dangerous. That said, I mean, once again, th- but. I think the general, you know, not to broad brush it, but if your show is in that dire straits, just hanging on to the last thread to get to the Tonys, you don't have a hit right now. That's not to say there aren't, there haven't been experiences where the Tonys have saved something and then re- oh, regenerated. But, but there there have been a ton of shows that get rescued by the Tonys. Spring Awakening was playing to half houses, less than half, losing money hand over fist until the Tonys, and then it was an impossible ticket to get for, for years. Uh, yeah, I, I just I think the, the numbers I was looking at from were from 2018 to present, and the like they 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 just have it's been that that 
not, I'm not saying that didn't used to be the case. I'm saying that in the current market today, it's not as important when you can pay the money to do mar social media marketing, to get on the Today Show, to get on Good Morning America, to have those. Not saying I don't want the Tonys to be. Obviously, I'm pro that, but I don't think it's an outrage that the decision was made to not give the waiver and for us to well, stand. This is what it's about. And here's why I think, and I want to get this point out before I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This we had a writer's strike that lasted about like 100 days, I think, the WGA back in the 90s at some point or early aughts. And listen, just like COVID, it shuts down an entire gig economy. It's not just the writers. It's everybody on yep. those productions down to the catering teams, to yep. every, especially in Los Angeles. You know, this is the entirety of the, in, of the industry there is yep. sh shut down. And you have to say, are people being greedy? Listen, I don't know if you ever watched the show Adam Ruins Everything. I forget Adam's last name, but he's one of the negotiators for the WGA, and he's been really transparent on Twitter. I've been following his Twitter yep. account as to where they are. Here's the scary thing. One of the things in here, not to be alarmist, is that they just want simple assurances that you cannot use AI to generate lead scripts or to generate lead script ideas. That's really all they're asking as far as the AI thing is going, yeah, and yeah. they will not budge, Keith. Now, we no. sit on a precipice, because what industry, with where AI sits right now, we've talked about elections a lot, but what industry yeah. serves to be obliterated most quickly by artificial intelligence that at a button prompt can produce a script, right? And then yeah. you can judge that script, and you know who needs the writers, right? This. And especially during a strike, this is a time where we're sitting on that tipping point, an inflection point, where if we don't stand behind this point and at least get something in writing that says, hey, yeah. human beings still are part of this, it's in, this is the time. This is the important 100%. No, and, and it's the tip of the sword, right? Absolutely. Because you talk about you know, AI replacing writers. Yeah, sure. Uh, are you an accountant? Are you a banker? Are you a designer? Mm -hmm. Are you uh, are are you in customer service? Are all of it? At literally everything can can or will be capable of being replaced by AI in the next ten years. So, uh, do you want to have a job at all in a job un completely unrelated to this? This is setting precedent. Mm -hmm. We're going to have this battle again on pretty much any industry that involves a human being creating something. In addition to that, whereas it seems to me like the WGA is uh, um, negotiating in good faith, the, the some of the streaming services are not. Uh, yeah. For example, Netflix has already requested that on the shows that are shut down, that the showrunners, the people right. running the show, still come in and work, because you're not actively writing. Well. That whole right, they're part of the writers' room. They're they're head of the writers' room in many times. Of course, they're writers. Of course, they're, of course they're part of that. And, and I'm so, sure they're all WGA members as yeah, well. They're splitting hairs is where they're at in their negotiation. On top of that, you know, a lot of these streaming services coming out of COVID have a stockpile of scripts and ideas and and ideation taking place. They've had the time to do that, and so they're not in any rush. They got some stuff. There's probably plenty of people who are willing to scab, or there are ways to split hairs and find. Uh, back roads. I know that Ken Jennings is a production Jeopardy. He's in the he's in the news right now because he's Mayim Bialik decided not to participate, but he is blah 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 blah. They will find a way to do their thing. That's why unions are important. That's why sister unions are important. Uh -huh. and instead of well, and that's that's exactly why the Tonys are not going to happen. 
and because the unions be. are working together and shouldn't be. And, no, and, absolutely. And that's where I think the 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 thing. So so you consumer, how can you be a part of this? And the question and and the thing comes down to is just don't. I mean, it's as simple as it seems in our culture. I think it's important now is to not get aboard the hysteria train. You know, like I said, I want the Tonys to exist as much as possible, but I'm sure as hell not going to. There are some producers that are prevalent in our industry. Get on Twitter and get on Facebook and totally destroy the writers' union because they're ruining the Tonys. Or what, like, we're not going to play that game. We stand with the writers' union. I'm on board, right? I'm a sister union. I'm a member of Actors Equity. Um, those are my my brothers and sisters. I'm there. I'm, I'm yeah. supporting. That's that's the best I can do right now. And uh, and and I think SAG. I don't know if they SAG is, but they should. It should be next. Yeah, should be. Should, should be next because there's no, you know, there's, there's no reason anybody in SAG should be performing without, you know, which is tough. I mean, it's 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 painful, but that the only way a strike is successful is it's painful. And if we don't have that ability, then everyone will can and will be exploited even further. Yeah. And and so I I think for us, for everybody out there listening to this, is to keep our eye on the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is writers are being exploited right and left. The problem is not they're striking. The problem is they're being exploited and the people exploiting them are unwilling to stop. So yeah. the people who are the people who are causing this, the re, the people who are causing your stranger things not to be coming out are the producers, are the Netflix, are the streamers, are those people, not the writers. I think it's important to keep that in mind. Um uh, and because. educate yourself. Let me get his name right. Um, Adam Conover. Uh, he's on Twitter, and he is uh, really lays out the demands that things are asking for, and what the response is at this current moment. And you can yeah. see it's not. You know, I get it. Movie making, TV. You think there's a gajillion dollars in this industry. I'm sure they're getting paid well. But guess what? When it trickles down, man, they're not. They're not. And, uh, no. And 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 that's the thing. You see all of that money, so you assume everybody touching it is rich mm-hmm. they're not yeah. <laughs> i mean but it's the same thing as with america right mm-hmm. you know oh our economy is this big oh so everybody must be rich no there's like five people who are controlling 98 percent percent of that money and it's, everyone it's else really is scrabbling on for scraps and we will check back in on what this story as it progresses because let me tell you from what i've read it seems like the the streaming services, it does not seem like there is any movement. Their heels are dug in. Like I said, the last yep. strike went 100 plus days and uh, it could be worse this time. I, I hope not. I hope that we come to our senses, but it's hard yep. to say where, where things are going to go. It, well, it's tough because, you know, they, it, again, it comes down to money, right? Mm-hmm. The writers, they don't have, they, you know, we don't have, we don't have very much money. We can't, we can't just sit for a year and not make any money. Netflix, they just they can chill for a year yeah. and they're not they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they're not you know they're and and that's why we have an exploited position to begin with because they're, they're desperate. Writers are desperate. I I say that for myself, right? My first like if Netflix offered me a show and they screwed me on it, but it's but it's twice the money I've ever made in my life and it's my dream. Right, I'm going to let myself be screwed because I'm desperate. I think that you I think that the the studios might sense an opportunity hopefully to like one of these streaming services can unilaterally negotiate 
and get their things current and be a champion of the writers yeah. and get on board. And, and this is an opportunity because Netflix seems to be the one that's seeing like they're the ones with their feet dug in the most. Yeah. If you're a Hulu or you're a, an HBO or you're a Disney Plus, now would be a time yeah. to jump on and be like, you know what? We stand with the writers. We're giving them their demands. Yeah. And, and be- become the good guys. Uh, it's a great, yeah. You want to talk about profits and marketing and whatnot. This is a chance yeah. to jump on board. Become the good guys, folks. Keith, I'll say quickly, just to end it up with with a weekly red. Um, as I mentioned earlier, this is not a what was me. We, go, we all go through our things, right? We go through our cycles. And I think it's important to recognize that it's a universal feeling. So I'm actually, uh, this week, I've started, and I'm going to be a little bit more full-faithed with it next week, to think back to our show in Deep Space Nine, where they had a gratitude festival. And I'm trying Ooh. to kind of devote some time to the things and the people I'm really grateful for in my life. Uh, and one of them is you, buddy. Uh, and so I wanted to tell you just to say thanks for just like being a presence in my life, aside from all the things and the, the reasons, just your presence is gives me something to look forward to on a daily basis. It is your birthday coming up. This is the last oh, right. uh, Geekly before your birthday. I wanted to let you know that last night I actually brought myself a great amount of joy by putting together a little goodie package of something that I think will hopefully uh, brighten up your entire summer. And so uh, that's going out in the mail manana. And so by midweek, so we can talk about it maybe next week as we do a little celebration for you, buddy. Oh, that's 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 fun. I appreciate that. It's going to be it's it's going to be a hell of a birthday. I'm getting hernia surgery. (laughs) <laughs> oh, when is that? When is the surgery? A couple days after my birthday. Your birthday's on Monday, Saturday. I don't know. Uh, let me see. When is it? It's Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, talk about things I I, uh, I I don't usually want to focus on, but if but if there's presents coming, I'm on board. So uh, that's oh, that's really I should appreciate be helpful for that. your recovery. Yeah, I, I it's a it's. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to say too much, but I think you'll I think you'll enjoy. It. I'm excited. I'm yeah. very excited about. It. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, likewise, obviously. Um, yeah. So for 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 my rad thing, um, the, now I'm, anything I say that's that's not my gratitude I to win. you, I'm going to make I me an win. asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. Please don't. So, uh, so here's so my gratitude thing are to the people in my life. Uh, you are one of those, but um, but who have chosen to include me. In some pretty cool stuff, mm. um, and and I uh, I went to the um, the first developmental reading of the Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil musical, um, which is in development now for Broadway, uh, coming up in a couple of years, I imagine. Um, but uh, the producers are are friends of mine, and went to go see the first first ever reading of this. It's the first time it's ever been performed for for people. The first they just finished the second act. So um to get a chance to to see it there. And it's just in a rehearsal studio with um but with an amazing like all-star Broadway cast. Yeah. The team is amazing. And it was just, you know, it's a it's a room filled with people who are doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right living the dream that I want to to live and watching their work and watching it develop. And it was very exciting. Um, it's in fabulous shape for this stage in the process. Um, you know, but, but just my, you know, and, and then like to go to the, the party the next day and, and, you know, I, I don't have a role in this, right. I'm not really a part of this production in any way, shape or form, 
but I've been welcomed and invited to to come in and be part of it in in a small way, and it helped reinvigorate mm. my love of this you know it's it's been a bit of a, a challenging year you know career-wise and dis, you know i've had i've had a fair amount of disappointments um you know career-wise as i'm as i'm working and it's and as you well know it's hard to keep your chin up in this business yeah it's hard to keep the balloon afloat and that's something that i've always had the superpower of always having my balloon aloft and always like ah oh, the next thing's going to be the big thing i've got blah, blah, blah. it's been a tough year for that and I think just being there and watching it and not feeling out of place and feeling welcome and to see the process happen and to see the, the triumphs and see the things that needed work and the and to see that everybody else there was feeling the same thing I was. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I felt um anyway, I was I'm I'm very grateful for being allowed to to be there and to be a part of it. I think a part of that, Keith, you know, to to put a point on it is so to just echo that, you know, this, the past couple of years, I've been kind of trying to embrace my age and, you know, rein, rein, age plays a huge factor as a performer. And so, you know, you have to, there are junction points where you realize I'm not, I can't play certain things anymore. I've got to look forward. Yeah. And I've been much better at that. And this past, maybe the past six months have, you know, a lot of opportunities have presented themselves in, in a new community and all kinds of things and, and have had so many doors open only to then briskly be shut. Um, yeah. And so there's pro-con, right? First thing, what I love about maturity and about age has brought me is that I no longer, it used to be when you get all those points, especially a lot of them at once, uh, it used to be, I can't think about theater. I don't want to talk about it. I want to go see it. I don't want to support anybody. It becomes very, you get very shielded and embittered, I guess is the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That no longer happens to me. I, I I still, it's, it's I, but that said, it doesn't mean you don't feel those disappointments anymore. As much as I know I did really some really great work and I put good, I, you still feel the, I didn't, I, I didn't get that. Like my whole yeah. summer, I've, I haven't had a free summer with no shit, like in, years but yeah. th- this is not a woe's me my point here is that all of those disappointments all of the things you did that keep piling up and piling up piling up good bad or ugly still are formulating a resume and are still formulating yep. experience and all that experience is worth something so you yes being in that room 100%. isn't just we bring our buddy keith as a pity invite it's because i'm sure your insight is valuable your opinion is valuable. Your creative input is valuable to those people and to the people at large. And who knows in the next little bit of time, because the journey to Broadway is a long one, sure uh, is. where you might slot in or might yeah. not, but, but that is why you're in the room. It's, it's not. No, no, for, no, for you know sure. I mean? And, and I, I think, you know, I, I, I inspired by what you were saying there. I think for me, the way to keep the balloon afloat is to um, do two things. One, continually remind yourself why you love this, mm-hmm. not why you hate it, right? And that's, you know, to, to not become embittered, uh, keep going to see shows, keep seeing stuff, keep being inspired, you know, keep in contact with the 13-year-old version of yourself lying in bed listening to Sunday in the Park on your disc man. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, shit, 
this is all I care about. Keep keep in contact with that kid, right? And and, and you're right, you know, keep your keep your experiences and your resume at the forefront so you know like I'm not nowhere. I have done all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um and the other part of that and related to that list of things you've done, keep in contact with gratitude. Right? And and like yes, you know, I want to be the one who wrote this show. But like I'm in, I'm in this room. I'm allowed to be in this room to be part of this magical special thing. There's you know that that when this show gets to Broadway, I'll be one of hundred people in the universe who saw it at this stage, mm-hmm. right? And and think and and to, to keep in contact with that thirteen year old me, to to be in that room and to see that, I would have lost my ever loving mind, mm-hmm. you know. And like to be to be grateful for that, especially um, within the, an artistic journey of production. I think the voices who are able to walk the line of not being sycophants, right? And not just telling, saying, oh, it was great because you want to be involved at some point. Or people who have so much bitterness and vitriol that they just shit on everything. If you can give a measured, creatively fruitful and um, uh, helpful critique and be part of a, a, a process that understands collaboration and that things need to grow and they aren't just static one way or the other at any given point you are valuable well and and to know how and when to do that yeah you know the party afterwards is where you say it was great yeah the then, email you write a couple of days later and the email you write you a couple days later and you know like here here's what i felt worked here's what i didn't here's here's a here's an idea ignore it or not whatever um yeah i mean that's all part of it and to be gr- you know i i was giving feedback on another show um and i was thinking like Again, in the in the grateful, how grateful I am to be so lucky to be in a position to give feedback on something at that level. Mm-hmm. It's I, I feel intensely grateful, and like, am I getting a piece of the show? No, am I? It doesn't I'm not getting anything. I'm not even involved in any way, shape, or form. But my God, what a privilege! Well, you think about it, like you know, all your your readings and your shows and the the things you've done. You know, you ask a lot of people for feedback. Sure. Sure do. But in your head, you have Rolodex of those feedbacks, emails that you're going to star and look at and give a shit and you utilize, right? 100%. And so to be on that list for others is, is yeah. it's not something, it's no. something to be grateful for. For sure. For sure. Oh. Yeah. So that's, that's my rad, buddy. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. We started with TV. We ended with, as Keith and I generally do on Geekly, a uh, really in-depth, heartful heartfelt conversation that no one will listen to but you can listen to this on your podcast feeds yeah. or on our patreon my mom's you, gonna listen to yes, this your mom will probably months later months later 100%. but she will chime in and thank us and it will feel great that she did <laughs> <laughs> hey listen uh we gotta get out of here we have things to do keith's a busy busy man but uh, I don't want you to forget to write in and tell Keith happy birthday so we can read it on air next week. But in the meantime, keep on doing the things you find fun. Play Zelda if you can get a hand on it. Don't let anyone yuck your yum no matter what it is. And keep on geeking on. <laughs>